podcast. Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting Podcast. Visit our website at oalaig.org where you'll find several speaker feeds with over 400 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Lisan. Hi, everybody. I'm Lisanne. I'm a compulsive overeater and a bulimic. Thank you, Michael, for asking me. Um, it's an honor and a privilege to be able to um, share at my home group meeting. This is my home group meeting. Um, and I would just like to congratulate all the chip takers and um, Martha, Margie, sorry, the birthday person, um, it's so great to have a place to come to where um, there's other people like me, you know. And um, uh, I was not happy to come here. I was really angry to be here. Michelle, <laughs> calling you out, girl. Um, I just remember being so mad. I did not want to be here. Don't tell me to sit up front. Don't, you know, don't tell me. And, um, you know, I... I I'm so happy to be here today, and I'm not that angry anymore. Um, it's gotten better, a lot, a lot better. So, um, you know, it's funny. I woke up this morning, and I felt hopeful. Well, I felt hopeful after I had coffee. Um, <laughs> but it was so funny because I was, um, you know, I had my coffee. I was sitting in this this little room in my place where, you know, I have this big overstuffed chair and my books, my little daily readers are there, and my little dog was sitting next to me. I love my dog. I wish I, I wish I was excited as excited to see my boyfriend as I, as I am to see my dog. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what is that? I don't know. I know it's not horrible. I hope he never listens to this. But, <laughs> but it's like I don't know what that. I'm really always excited to see my dog, but you know, other people, like the people on the planet, not so much. Um, but anyway, I was sitting there, and, um, and I, I was feeling, I was feeling good, you know, like, like a, a level of excitement about life and about this day and about, you know, the days ahead. My sponsor always talks about the days ahead. There's always good days coming. And, um, and I was like, oh, my God, this is what hope feels like. It's just hope is such an amazing feeling. If you're new here tonight... There is hope. There is hope. This program has a solution for us. That's why this room, all these people are sitting here. Um, and I have found a new life here, a new life. And um, a new experience of um, my body and of uh, my relationship with food, which I don't, I don't feel like I have a relationship with food anymore. I used to have, have a very intimate relationship with food. Um, and that's not so today. It's changed a lot. But... Um, Happy Halloween, everybody. There's, uh, there's a few people in the room that are dressed up tonight. It's very, I was like, my, I wonder if my sponsor's going to be dressed up because she dresses up at work. She's a little kitty cat. Very cute. <laughs> um, so this morning, you know, in anticipation of coming here, I was thinking about, you know, my story. And, um, and I was like, Oh, the monsters, you know. Halloween's about monsters. Let's talk about monsters. 
Um, my life was a monster, you know. That's what it was like for me. Life was a monster. People were monsters. The way I felt felt monstrous, you know. I just, it was, everything was so hard. And I was afraid, you know. I was afraid of everything. And, um, you know, I have a different experience today in my life. Um, food was a monster. My body was a monster. You know, I just, I, I just, um, in my, you know, the, the big book talks about how the disease centers in our minds and the way that I think about life, the way that I think about the day ahead, the way that I think about my body, the way I think about people, um, it's, it, it makes me afraid because because for me, I never think like, yeah, I'm going to win the lottery. No, no. Or, yes, it's, you know, the great job's going to come or I'm going to fall in love. or No, I never. It's like, um, why, you know, like, why does he like me? It always turns into something bad. Like, there's something wrong with him, right? Because he likes me. Or um, I'm going to get fired. Like, I know today's the day I'm getting fired. Um, it's never positive. And, um, and coming into OA and cleaning up um, the wreckage of my food life and, um, you know, separating myself from that obsession with food in my body has left space um, for my mind to be clearer and less negative. Like, Everything's not negative anymore. Like, I woke up hopeful this morning. That's kind of miraculous. I was a little amazed as it was happening. <laughs> I was like, this, like, this is good. Because like, not all days are like that, you know. Not all days feel that way. But um, to actually be, wake up and feel that is amazing. Um, to get into my story a little bit, I, I grew up in the Valley. I'm a Valley girl. And, um, and... I, um, I was born into an alcoholic household. Both my parents are alcoholic. A few of my sibling, siblings turned out to be that as well. Um, and, you know, it was, you know, my mother was really obsessed with my father and what he was doing and not doing and where he was and what he was drinking and where he was going. And there were nights where we were thrown into the car to go look for him, you know, at the bar and trying, you know, she'd send us in to try and, you know, guilt him into coming home. It never worked, but um, there was a lot of fighting and a lot of chaos, and so I just um, I just learned how to kind of disappear, and um, like I, I really loved reading when I was a kid. Um, there's this I found this book. I had this memory come up uh, a while back about this book that I had read as a little girl. That I, and it, I, it just was like the sentence from this book came into my head, and I was like, what was that? What was that from? So I, you know, Google, my God, Google, I love Google, I Google everything, you know, what is love? <laughs> I Google everything. I ask Google questions. Um, so I looked up this book, and, um, and I found it. I was like, oh, it was called The Little Witch, surprisingly, on Halloween. It was called The Little Witch. So I ordered it, and I, it's, it's coming this week. So I'm getting this little book from when I was a kid. But I love to read as a little girl. And, um, you know, it was a great escape. It was a great way to escape and to um, 
to, you know, to feel different feelings than what I felt in my reality. My reality was really scary. And when I read, I got to feel something different. Um, later, that I got that different feeling from music. I loved music as a teenager. Like I loved rock and roll music, and um, and that was, you know, that was something that I that I really enjoyed. Um, that helped me escape the reality of what was happening in my home. And um, I, you know, I had two older sisters and a younger brother, and um, you know, chaos in the family. My mother, my parents split up when I was about eight, and. Um, <clears throat> We stayed with my mom briefly, but she went, like, completely nuts, drinking out in the bars and leaving us at home. So my dad came and took us, and we ended up with him. And, um, you know, it was was what it was. You know, my dad dad, um, was a daily drinker from the time he was 17, and... um, And, you know, he took care of us to the best of his ability. And, um, but I just remember, like, you know, he, it was like, in my home, it was like every man for himself. So we all, it was like this compartmentalized life where we all just had, like, I don't even, my sister Danielle, my my oldest sister, I don't even have memories, really, of having a relationship with her. I was very uh, connected with my sister Andrea, and I kind of followed her around, and she became my obsession. And then she ended up running away um, when I was 15. And, um, and I was, like, she was a great distraction. Like, I was always trying to help her. She was always getting in trouble and smoking pot and drinking and whatever. I was chasing her around. There's a part in the big book that talks about um, the alcoholic is in full flight from reality. And then in Al-Anon, they say, and the Al-Anon is chasing them. And that was me. (laughs) I always say, who's crazier in that picture? You know what I mean? Um, So I was chasing her, and then she left. So I was left with just me. And... That's when my eating disorder began. Um, I started to throw up my food. And, um, and I remember the first time I did it, it was, I did it because I felt sick. Like I felt sick to my stomach, and so I made myself throw up. But then it just, I, it was something that I just started to do um, on a regular basis. And that, you know, I started that behavior, and it lasted long into my my like I was 40 years old when you know in my 40s when I got abstinent so that's a and you know I was 15 when I started so that's a long time to be doing that behavior and for most of that time I did it on a daily basis more than one time a day like several times a day um so you know I'm just gonna I'm just gonna skip ahead because you know um there's, you know, it's, it, it was just, there's nothing exciting in my childhood to talk about. Um, you know, I was a, I was a awkward, uncomfortable, bulimic young person, you know. So, um, but I, what I want to talk about is, as, as I got older, um, I ended up, I, I, you know, I, I, you know I, I'm a sober member of AA2, and so I'm not going to really share that part of my story, but it, it is, it is part of my story, and I'm going to, I'm going to kind of start from where I got sober. Um, what happened was I got pregnant um, in the last, like, two years of my drinking. I got pregnant. And I was, you know, I, I was making myself throw up still while I was pregnant. And then I was like, wait, why am I doing this? So I stopped doing that. But um, I drank and used through, those, through that entire pregnancy. And um, when, I, when, I, when my son was born, um, I actually ended up being able to take him home um, because I, I had stopped using for 10 days before I had him. So we were both clean. And um, 
So I took him home, and for the first 15 months of his life, I was drinking, using, and vomiting on a regular basis. And um, not vomiting from drinking. <laughs> vomiting because I'm bulimic. And, um, and so I ended up um, finally getting sober. And, um, and I went into treat, a treatment center, and uh, I told them about my bulimia, and they tried to help me, but um, I wasn't ready. I remember, like, I marked on a calendar 30 days that I didn't throw up. They sent me to, like, a therapist or something. And then I, it was like I didn't want to deal with it anymore, and I just started, like, you know, finding ways to get around it. And um, so I got sober, and I, I left that program after 20 months. Um, my son got to come with me. And then I, I started, you know, I embarked out on life um, as, a, as a sober, you know, as a sober person. And, you know, for the first eight years of that sobriety, I, I continued to vomit every day. And the reason I would like to talk about that is because, um, you know, AA could not help me with this. It could not help me with this problem. And, um, and I really feel like I was able to stay sober that eight years because I had this this disease because this what I what I got to see was that my bulimic behavior and my obsession with food and body can be just as um, I can be just as checked out of my life as if I were drinking and using and um, you know I was raising a kid on by myself my son and um, and I look back on that time and I I really like I don't remember a lot um, I remember I was, I actually was dating a guy at that time and, um, I'll never forget this because it was such a perfect example of how checked out I was, but he was all, he was like, remember that time we did this thing, whatever it was. And he was really excited about it. It was like a great memory for him. And I was like, uh, no. <laughs> and he got really upset. He was really upset that I didn't remember. I, I still don't. But, um, but that for me, that is I mean, it's like I was in a relationship with somebody, but I really wasn't. I wasn't there because I was here always in my head in, in you know, obsessing about this, you know, going in the bathroom, finding ways to go and throw up. So, um, you know, this disease is, it, it completely takes me out of my life, completely. Um, what ended up happening was um, at eight years of sobriety, I didn't, I didn't want to die anymore. You know what I mean? I, like, wanted to live. So... Um, I decided to tell somebody about my eating disorder, and um, and I remember my sponsor at the time. Uh, I always like telling the story. <laughs> my sponsor at the time said, um, "If you don't stop throwing up, I'm going to make you go to OA, and I'm going to make you call Leslie." <laughs> and, um, and I was like, "Leslie's my sponsor today." Um, but I was like, I, I stopped throwing up for like two years on that alone. Like I didn't. <laughs> I didn't want to call Leslie. I was scared of Leslie, and I did not want to come to OA. And so, um, so I stopped throwing up. But what ended up happening was the dieting, the crazy madness of like the finding the right diet and obsessing about calories, and you know, just not eating this and restricting. And it was so like I, that almost felt crazier. Then when I was bulimic, because when I was bulimic, I was numb. I was like, I didn't even know what was happening in my life. It was just like I was completely in a fog. But when I was, like, not throwing up, and I, I, I could feel how insane I was. I was just, my head was just going, and I was constantly looking and figuring it out and thinking about it. And, um, 
And so, uh, but what ended up happening was, you know, I, I was able to do that for a couple of years, but, you know, there came the point where, you know, there was no defense against, you know, the binge and then the vomiting that, that came after that. So I started throwing up again. And, um, and that was, you know, that was when I realized that I couldn't do this on my own. And so um, I guess I had another surrender after that, and I ended up coming to OA. And um, I think my first sponsor when I came to OA was this girl, Aliki. And, um, and uh, she, I remember her saying to me, um, you know, chances are you're going to gain weight, but don't worry about it because it will all even itself out, you know. And I, I was so afraid. I did not want to gain weight. I did not want to gain weight. And, um, but for some reason, I believed her. Like, I believed it would work itself out. I don't know why I did, but I just did. I, you know, I knew she was in this program. I, you know, I knew her from another program, and I watched her. And I just believed her. I don't know. And so I started coming to OA, and um, she didn't sponsor me very long. Um, but I just remember believing her telling me that. And that's the thing, newcomer, is that, you know, you're, you're in a room full of people who understand. They, you know, we all understand what it's like to, you know, not be able to stop eating, not be able to stop throwing up, not be able to stop exercising. You know, all the things that we are absolutely unable to do on our own power. And um, in coming in these rooms, it's like, you know, I think it was Vita was, when she was taking her chip, she was talking about um, having a hard time right now, but not having to do it alone. Like, we don't have to do any of this alone. I don't even have to do my life alone. Not, I don't, it's not just my food program. It's my life. Like, when I come up against situations that are difficult for me or people that I, you know, situations with other humans on the planet that I don't know how to deal with. I remember I went up to my sponsor on Wednesday night. I, I had a situation with a woman that happened and I didn't know what to do. Like, what do I do? Do I need to, you know, what do I need to do? And, and, um, I, I have somebody, I have people to go to, to help me walk, you know, navigate life today and navigate my relationships, um, and navigate my food life too, when I need that. Um, so I came here and I started, you know, coming to meetings and I, you know, when I first came, I really, I mean, I was really angry because I did not know how to eat. When you stop throwing up, you're, like, left with, I used to be able to eat anything I want. Not anymore, you know. Um, and I tried a lot of different things because I didn't want to give up, you know. I didn't want to give up. Um, I, for whatever reason, I, sugar scared me. I didn't want to eat sugar, so I ate sugar-free instead. Such a bad idea, newcomer. Do not do that. Sugar-free is bad for your body. It's not friendly at all. It does things that you don't want to happen. Um, some of you know what I'm talking about. Um, so I was really angry. I was pissed. I, I remember, like, I have vivid memories of myself in my car driving home from meetings and having had a day of, like, eating sugar-free candy and being bloated and, not, like, my clothes not fitting me properly and feeling t- everything was tight and just being in rage and, like, screaming at the top of my lungs at God and, like, double-flipping them off in my car. I can't even imagine, like, what the people around me like I didn't even care I was so mad and um I I did not know what I was doing and I'm not one who likes to ask for help either I do not like asking for help don't help me um because I got this you know (laughs) I got this but I'm 
really mad because I don't know what I'm doing. Um, so my first couple of years looked like that. And, um, and uh, you know, I've had some relapses here. Um, and, uh, you know, those, those have been around difficult times in my life. And, um, you know, I remember um, I was absent for a while and then I lost it. And I remember, like, I remember one time I, I went to a fast food a drive through and I ordered something and I got it home. It's like, don't mess up somebody who's got an eating disorder. Don't mess their food, food order up. So I got home and I opened the bag and it was wrong. And I, and my, my son was with me through all of it. I was so, I was like crazy enraged, enraged. Got back in my car, drove back to the fast food restaurant, like 80 miles an hour on Barrington and freaking Palms. And, um, screaming at the top of my lungs, right? Go back through the drive through get to the window, and I'm like, excuse me. Like, I went from crazy, insane lady to, like, you messed up my order, like, to the kind woman, because nobody's allowed to see me like that, right? Um, it was so crazy. And I remember as it was happening, because I'd been in OA before, I thought, that's going to be a good story from the podium someday. <laughs> I remember actually thinking that. I do. Um, so... Um, you know, my biggest, my big surrender actually happened after that period. And what, you know, it's like once you get some OA under your belt, um, your eating is never the same. It's never the same. It's like, it was just like, what ended up happening for me is I would go like the battle. I would have the battle every day. And okay, on the way home from work, I made it through the day where I didn't throw up or binge or do anything. But the battle on the way home, I would be so crazy in my head. Are you going to drive through the drive-thru? Or are you going to stop at the market? What are you going to buy at the market? Like, I would just be crazy, crazy, crazy. And I would pull into the, to the parking lot at the market. And I'd be like, please don't, you know, I don't want to buy anything. I don't want to buy anything. And then I would go through the market with my cart looking for it, whatever it was. But it wasn't there. Like, I couldn't find it. So I would just start throwing whatever, like all the things, whatever they were, they were in my cart, in my cart, you know. And, of course, by the time I get to the counter, I have a story, like, you know, in case anybody wants to know why I'm buying all this sugary whatever, you know, there's I'm having a party for my son, right? His friends are spending the night or whatever, you know. Um, nobody ever asked, but you got to have a story just in case. So I would buy everything, and I would get home, and I would – go to the kitchen, I would start ripping the bags open and eating. That's not it. That's not it. That's not it. That's not it. Like, nothing was it. There is no more devastating place to be when it's not there. It's just not there. And for me, that was my, that was it for me. Like, it's not there. Like, what do I do now? It's not, it doesn't work anymore. So I surrendered to this program again. And, um, you know, uh, I think that was the first time I had Leslie as my sponsor. And, um, you know, I started, you know, I, I, I wrote out a, a food history and, um, you know, I did like the red light, yellow light, green light foods. And, and um, you know, my bottom line was I don't throw up no matter what. That's still, that's still my abstinence today. Um, and I slowly started to, like, I went to meetings. I started going to, I would drive, I worked, um, over by LAX on Century Boulevard, and I would drive to Brentwood on 
think it was, it was either Tuesdays or Thursdays at 1 o'clock. There was a meeting at 1 o'clock at the, at the bank. Uh, there was in the basement of the bank. And I would drive. I would, you know, leave. And I would come all the way over here to go to a meeting. Um, I, I went to, like, three meetings a week, um, even though I had a, another program where I went to meetings all the time. So I had to find a way to work away into my recovery into my already existing recovery. And um, it's not easy to work more than one program. It's not. Um, but I did it because I, I needed it. I needed to. And um, so I started my journey in OA. And, you know, there's, it's been, there's been a lot of different changes here. I mean, I've been here actually since 2002. Um, but I've only been absent uh, this time since 2007. And um, so those first few years, there were a few... Um, a few relapses for me. And um, one of them was, uh, I'll, I'll share a little bit about that. I, I, I met a guy, because um, yeah, it was over a guy, that's right. Um, I, a relationship. Um, but I, I met a gentleman in, um, in our, you know, Al-Anon, and uh, he actually was in three programs, and as was I, and um, we started dating and whatever. And we ended up getting married, even though during that dating period, I noticed a lot of things about this person that didn't really, I didn't really agree with. But, you know, he asked, so I said yes. And, and, and here's the thing. Here's the thing. If you're ever thinking, well, if it doesn't work out, we'll just get divorced. That means don't say, don't get married. Like, don't get married. You know what I mean? So, um... <laughs> Wow. Uh, so, yeah, I'm that girl. Um, but anyway, so we, we got married, and um, I, I swear to God, all the way up to the, I was crying hysterically, like planning my wedding. I was crying hysterically. It was crazy. Um, and so we ended up, we got married, and um, I stayed abstinent through all of that. And then what happened was we ended up moving to Florida. And when we got to Florida, like, my whole life has been in California. I was born here. I've lived here my entire life. So not only did I leave my family, who, who's here, thank you, um, but I left all of my program people, like my whole foundation in recovery. And I was really, honestly, at that time I had, like, um, I think 11 or 12 years sober, I had been in Al-Anon for about a year and, you know, and a half, and I had been in OA for about a year and a half. So I was, so having all three of those going, it was like the first time I really felt like I was in recovery, except for the relationship part, clearly, right? Um, but uh, we moved to Florida, and I left all of that behind. So I ended up losing my abstinence there, and I... I threw up there for about seven months, and then I started going to OA meetings out there, and I met this woman. Um, I saw her in a meeting. She shared, and I thought, she's it. That's her. I know it. And um, she reminded me of home. She reminded me of, of recovery at home. And so I waited two weeks because, you know, you got to wait. you got to think about it for a while. And then I called her, and um, she got me really active in OA um, in Florida, and that saved my life. It saved my life. And as a matter of fact, I got abstinent, I think, a week before Halloween. And, um, and uh, I remember Halloween night, my, my ex-husband at the time, was, he, was back in, you know, he was back in the food at that time, and I was getting abstinent again. And, um, and 
he was crazy. He bought all this candy. There was, like, candy everywhere. And I was like, listen, I'm going to go to a meeting. I'm not going to go out with you guys on for Halloween. And he got really angry at me, and he didn't speak to me for, like, two weeks because um, we had that relationship. And um, But what ended up happening, which was really miraculous, is that a few – like, after I had had about a month or so of abstinence – I was sitting in our bedroom, and I was like, I, I, I was just like, I don't want to do this. This is too hard. I don't want to do it anymore. And he go, he said to me, you know what? I've been watching you, and now I want to get abstinent, so don't give up. So you never know who you're being an example to. So he ended up getting abstinent again, too. But um, sadly, that relationship did not last, and um, we ended up, it lasted 11 months. <laughs> wow. And so, um, so we ended up... Um, ending that relationship, and then I came back to California, and um, I lost my abstinence one more time. Um, that was, uh, so my abstinence date is uh, February 12, 2007, and um, so I have eight years of abstinence here, and, you know, here's what I want to end with, is just that my life today, I've done a lot of different things with my food, you know, I've had really, really messy food, I've had really rigid food, I've weighed and measured, I've, you know, I've um, planned everything, I've done, I've been very structured, and, um, and, 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 you know, I've had sponsors who were very structured, and, you know, and I, and I realized, too, that sometimes I would pick sponsors who I thought would keep me abstinent because of how they worked their program, but nobody is responsible for my abstinence but me, and it doesn't matter like if they are, I have to be able. To, I have to be willing to do what I do, and so um, you know, it's you know, it's all ebbed and flowed. And you know, what it looks like today is that you know I'm not afraid of food anymore. It doesn't scare me. It used to scare me. Like I was afraid that this particular thing was going to send me over the edge, and I don't feel that way anymore. You know. Um, I'm not, I don't hate and loathe my body anymore. You know, I've learned, and, and I, you know, I'm one of those people that I've, I've actually gained weight in OA and have had to be okay with that, you know, because I'm not willing to abuse myself anymore to get to that, whatever that crazy number is in my head, you know. Um, and then even still, it's never enough. I want two pounds less, you know. Um, so today I'm at, you know, I'm at, uh, I'm at a healthy body weight for, you know, for my height and my size and my age. And um, I don't I don't particularly like the number. It's not, you know, it's not my best friend. But I, I also am sort of in acceptance that, you know, I'm, you know, I'm a woman of a certain age. And in order for me to get to a different number, I have to work a lot harder than I'm willing to work, you know. <laughs> and um, and I don't want to starve myself, and I don't want to, you know, over, I don't want to do anything that's going to hurt me. So I've had, I've been forced to get to a place of surrender where I just have to embrace the body that I'm in today. And um, one of my favorite things about being, you know, recovery and being the size I am and, and, um, you know, some of the things my sponsor has taught me about, like, wearing clothes that fit this body. Because I used to try and squeeze into my, you know, mm-hmm. the, the, you know that other size that used to fit, you know. And, um, and then, like, want to kill myself all day long because they're too tight. Because all I can feel, all I can think about is how tight my clothes are. So I don't dress like that anymore. And um, my, my sponsor told me, buy clothes that fit the body that you have today. 
And so I've done that and I do that. And, um, and, and one of my favorite things is when I can stand, you know, at a heavier weight than I, at my heaviest weight in OA, I remember putting on this outfit and standing in the mirror and looking at myself and saying and thinking, I look good. You know what I mean? It was kind of like that hopeful feeling this morning. Like, I look good. It was crazy, you know? Um, and so OA has just given me, it's re- removed all the monsters from my life. Like, there's no monster. Food isn't a monster anymore. My body is not a monster anymore. My life is not a monster anymore. Like, I have tools and I have people. I have a team of experts working around the clock, you know? And... Um, I'm taken care of in all areas of my life. I don't have to do anything alone. I'm dating this guy right now, and um, and uh, we dated for a while. He broke up with me, and then he came back, and I'm, you know, and it's and and now he adores me. Let me just say, being I don't do that well. Like I like being adored. I think it's weird, you know. I don't handle it well. It's really hard being adored. I don't know. Um, so, so I'm struggling. No, I, I just, you know, I have to act better than I, I have to pretend a lot. Like, oh, yeah, you know. And then call my sponsor later and be like, why is he doing that? Or it's bothering me. She made, my Al-Anon sponsor made me keep a journal of all the things that bother me. <laughs> God, I hope he never hears this. Um, uh, but, but, um, but I have, like I said, I have people that walk me through every aspect of my life today. I don't have to do any of it alone. And um, it's really a miracle, and I'm so grateful. If you're new, please stay. Please stay. This program is amazing. It will change your life. Thanks. Okay, does anybody have a question? Anybody have a question? No, no, no. Michael? Um, Can you talk a little bit about step 11? Yes. Step 11. Oh, can I talk about step 11? That was the question. Um, My relationship with God. Uh, Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him. Praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Um, I was at a meeting recently where that was the topic. And what I really heard was, you know, I've been in this program for a while. I've been in other programs. I've heard the steps a million times. I've worked them all, whatever. But I heard this, and the power to carry out his will. Like, I prayed for his will for me, but it doesn't stop there. I pray for the power to carry out his will, Um, which kind of tells me that sometimes his will for me isn't easy. (laughs) Dang it. Um, But... um, you know, I have a daily practice that I do. I, I um, sit in my big chair with my puppy, and I read all my daily readers. And um, and then I get on my knees, and I say some prayers. I, I, I talk to God, um, and I pray for other people. I'm on a prayer list, um, a, an email prayer list with for women that's all, women all over the country. And so I, I get prayers for women all the time, and women's families, you know. And some of those prayers that come across that prayer email chain are, like, heartbreaking prayers about, like, children and families being ripped apart by alcoholism and so many, so many things. And um, so I pray for all these people, and um, I pray for my family. My family's very splintered um, because of 
you know, the diseases. And, and you know, there's, there's um, alcoholism, there's Alanonism, and there's compulsive eating in my family. My dad was living with me for about a year and a half, and he was a night eater. He would get up in the middle of the night, and he would go down in the kitchen and eat. And um, um, that was something new that I got to learn about him. And um, so I pray for all these people, and I... Um, and I try and sit quietly for, you know, two to five minutes, depending on how much time I have. Um, and I set my, set my, and I just try and listen. And, um, it, it, you know, it's that thing in the big book where it talks about the intuitive thoughts will come. Um, I can be having a problem with something and all of a sudden, and sometimes it's not when I'm sitting quietly that the intuitive thought comes. It's when I'm up again and I'm moving around and all of a sudden I'll be like, oh, Maybe I can do that, you know, and it'll come to me. Um, my One of my sponsors talks about how God is in the gray, and um, God is in the gray, the gray of our lives. For me, that means that God's in the things that I don't know, but God's there, so I don't have to worry because God's out in the gray. I don't have to worry about the gray, and I picture the gray like fog. You know when you're in the fog and you're, like, walking in the fog, but you can't see anything until you get closer, and then it's a tree, you know, or it's a whatever. Like, the fog gets clearer as you get closer. So I just kind of, every morning, I just ask God to walk out into the gray with me. Just walk out into the gray with me. Because I know what God's will is for me. God's will for me is, whatever's on my calendar for that day, that's God's will. So I show up for that stuff. And, um, and, the, and whatever's out in the gray, like, that's the stuff that I don't know is going to happen in the day. God is out in that, too. So when it happens, I will know what to do. You know, I will know. And so um, I love the 11th step. Thanks for asking. Thank you.